On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla has reportedly locked in on its next Gigafactory site, and it's in a familiar location. Plus, the new Model S and X have an interesting new item buried in their firmware, the NHRA has made drag strips more plaid-friendly, and more. What's happening, friends? Welcome to Ride the Lightning for March 6th, 2022. It's your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast, episode 344. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. To my left, looking longingly out the window, Daisy the Boxer on a just terrifyingly cold, bitter, windy evening here in San Francisco. Thankfully, we got out on a nice walk earlier today, so now it is time to podcast. I will do my best this week because I am pretty tired. My smoke alarm batteries in our house went off. Uh, they, the, you know, the batteries died and the smoke alarms went off at 2.30 in the morning last night because, of course, it was 2.30 in the morning last night. So what I've learned is now I'm going to set a reminder in my calendar for something like 6 p.m. in, you know, five and three quarter months from now to try and head it off next time (laughs) so that it won't happen in the middle of the night again. But what can you do? What can you do? Uh, On a happier note, in all sincerity, I do want to say a sincere thank you to all of you. I got so many kind emails, Patreon posts, tweets, Instagram comments, etc., from all of you about my cousin Pat with your condolences. I honestly wasn't expecting any of that from anyone. I just, you know, I talk about the things that matter to me on this podcast. Obviously, it's a Tesla podcast, so I'm generally narrowing in on all things Tesla. But sometimes real life creeps in, too, and this was one of those times. I just needed to speak from the heart about Pat last week. So thank you to all of you for listening to that and thanks to all of you, the so many of you that sent me all of your supportive notes. It really did mean a lot. I promise you that. Let's get rolling with the Tesla news this week. No shortage of it as usual. First up, Reuters, the news organization who recently, you may recall, got the exclusive on the Cybertruck being delayed to next year. They had that ahead of the last earnings call where it was confirmed. Well, Reuters has another exclusive report, that being that Tesla plans a new Shanghai plant to more than double their production capacity out of China. I want to give a tip of the cap to the Tesla Motors Reddit. That's where I saw this story. And Reuters writes, Tesla plans to start work on a new plant in Shanghai as soon as next month as part of a plan to more than double production capacity in China to meet growing demand for its cars in the country and export markets, two people familiar with the matter told Reuters. Once the new plant is fully operational, Tesla will have the capacity to produce up to 2 million cars per year at its expanded Shanghai facility, the company's main export hub, according to the people who asked not to be identified in discussing the still private plans. The cost of the planned expansion and Tesla's timetable for completion were not immediately known. Expansion plans for the existing plant aim to put Tesla on track to produce around 1 million vehicles this year, 
two sources familiar with the expansion plans told Reuters, though one said this also depended on the availability of parts. Tesla has projected to take its weekly production to about 22,000 vehicles at the plant in the coming months, one of the sources said. That production rate would amount to about 1.1 million vehicles over a year, more than double the plant's original projected capacity. My goodness, Shanghai just again, I've said it a million times, continuing to just soar past any goal set for them. It's just incredible. Now, presumably this supersedes the whole Chinese territories are vying for the next Tesla factory story that I talked about just a few episodes ago. In fact, I suppose in hindsight, you might've thought, well, this is obvious given the astounding success by once more, any and every metric of the Shanghai plant from construction. Remember how quick that thing went up? It was under a year they were producing cars. It was pretty wild. Uh, so again, any any metric. So that's you know, a construction metric or a production metric as well. Now, I suppose that I foolishly, it seems, didn't even consider Shanghai as an option for what is effectively a new plant. It will be a you know a doubling of of capacity there because. Elon has repeatedly stated that geography matters for these gigafactories, putting the factories close to where the cars need to be delivered whenever Tesla can do that. And thus, I thought that another area of China would be the winner for that reason. Effectively, uh, on a geographic basis in China, dividing and conquering, or it's actually not even dividing, it's multiplying and conquering would be the more apt phrasing of that here. But still, I can't blame Elon and Tesla for doubling down on Giga Shanghai. Two million cars per year once the new facility is built and of course once it's ramped up, which will take some time as well, even for the, you know, goal exceeding awesome folks at Tesla Shanghai, it will take time to ramp up. I'll go back to my original New Year's prediction about this though. Is the new Shanghai plant, if we're calling it that, going to be dedicated to the Model 2? That's what I had speculated about back on the New Year's Prediction Show. I still think that would make a lot of sense, except for the part where the timeline on this factory doesn't add up for that. Reuters, as you heard, reports that the work could begin as soon as next month, which means that if you look at how Giga Shanghai won... 1.0 went, Giga Shanghai 2.0 would be fully operational in about spring of 2023. And the $25,000 car, again, it probably won't be priced that now after, you know, all the, the way the industry has changed. But in any case, that car seems like it's much further out on the horizon than one year from right now. They're not gonna do Cybertrucks, in anywhere outside of North America for now. There's no need to do the S or X there. So I suppose they will just double down on the Model 3 and the Model Y, and perhaps that's when Tesla will finally be able to press pause on the Fremont Model Y line to convert it over to the 4680 batteries, the structural battery pack, and the single piece 
front and rear giga castings. That was the other thing I thought about with this is because remember, that still has to happen at some point. Fremont has to convert over, but they've got to be able to pause production long enough to do it without completely throwing the already uh, insanely long delivery queue into further chaos. So perhaps this massive expansion to the Shanghai plant will allow Tesla to do that. Maybe they'll just go ahead and import Chinese-built Model Ys uh, for a short time while Fremont gets retrofitted to the Model Y 2.0. We'll see. I'll be keeping a close eye on it for sure. Next up this week, here's a fun story. Our Tesla white hacker, uh, white hat hacker friend, pardon me, not combine those things, our friendly neighborhood Tesla white hat hacker, Green the Only, has found an interesting new nugget buried in the new Model S and Model X firmware. A toggle, again, software-based toggle for steering wheel or yoke. Green tweeted, quote, choose your destiny with a picture of the firmware. Uh, he, she screenshotted it, which shows options for set steering wheel slash yoke configs and a checkbox underneath that for either round or yoke. So if you're interested in a new Model S or X, but not interested in the yoke, I do have to be honest on this one. I would not get my hopes up that this is going to mean that a choice is coming your way. And the reason I say that is because, remember, on that recent Franz von Holzhausen podcast interview that I played you a few clips of just, what, two or three shows ago, one of the things that came up in the interview was the yoke. I don't, maybe I didn't play that specific clip, but to paraphrase from the interview, Franz basically said they're sticking with the yoke and they're not going to offer a choice. Now, could that change? Could Is he just saying that so as not to Osborne sales? Any sales of the new S and the NX in the short term while Tesla gets this option together? That is possible. But I have no reason to not take Franz at his word. I've met him. I've interviewed him. You know, you get a sense of, of how people are. And both Elon and Franz are not people to... In my view, anyway, in my experience, in my view, to knowingly or willfully mislead people on anything, and particularly with, with something like this. Now, uh, therefore, my best guess here is that this is more than likely a behind-the-scenes option for when the new S and X arrive in any new global territories that might not legally allow a yoke the way that we can have it here in the United States. And I imagine there may be some territories that don't. Otherwise, this probably wouldn't even be an option buried in the code at all. And this ties into the fact that you still can't get the new Model S or X outside of North America yet. So this may be just laying the groundwork for that global rollout of these two vehicles, which is supposed to happen later this year. Now, that said, if it if it does ship in even one territory with a wheel, meaning th these two cars, if, if there is a country that it gets sent to where you can buy it and a yoke's not allowed and so it has to be delivered with a steering wheel, a round wheel, 
That means at that point, there will have to be a part in the parts catalog for it. And that means that if you really wanted to, you probably could put the round wheel on your car. Unless it turns out that the wheel also includes stalks rather than the turn signal buttons, in which case maybe not, uh, because you know it, it'd probably have to be a one-to-one swap, I would imagine, and not you know something any more complex than that. But we shall see. We shall see. The, uh, the story of the yoke, it would seem, is still being written. Now, speaking of the yoke on the new S and the X, more good news for anybody who is purchasing the new X or the new new S or has purchased a new S or X in uh, has taken delivery of a vehicle built in November or more recently. So, you know, just in these last three months, you are getting a more user-friendly horn. As you remember, when the yoke was unveiled, the yoke wasn't the only big thing, the only big change to the driver controls. As I just mentioned, the new S and the X also deleted the stalks, relegating the stalk functions, windshield wipers, uh, headlights, turn signals, to touch-sensitive buttons on the yoke itself. They are not formal, physical, depressing or buttons that you depress. I would hope they're not depressing buttons. <laughs> that's that's a different, that's, that adjective doesn't work. A button that physically depresses, let's put it that way. Uh, but one of those touch-sensitive buttons is, of course, the horn. And early Model S Plaid owners have complained that it's just difficult to get to the horn button in a pinch, partially because it's so small, partially because it's not a proper button that you can feel for, now, Tesla tried to improve this situation for Plaid owners by, excuse me, new Model S and X owners, it's not just the Plaid, by making it so that you can just put your entire hand over the right side of the yoke and all the buttons, the touch-sensitive buttons at once, and if you do that, it will activate the horn. Tesla has now taken it a step further, and, and quite honestly, if you ask me, it's the step they probably should have taken in the first place. I'm sure they had their reasons for not doing so initially, but... They're doing so now. They've made the middle of the yoke, where the airbag is, the way to activate the horn, the way it is on thousands of other cars in the world. Elon Musk announcing this via Twitter, saying, quote, all cars made since November also have push center for the horn. Just waiting on a firmware update. And and then he adds what I just told you. If you mash the right side of the yoke with your palm, the horn will trigger. Well, again, I'm really glad to see this. I mean, if you, the thing is, if you need the horn, you probably need it right away and without having to think about it or poke around. So I think this is definitely the better way to go. And I am glad to see Tesla make this change. Hey, while we're talking about the plaid, this does pertain to the plaid specifically. Good news for you Plaid owners who enjoy taking your car to the drag strip. The NHRA has lifted its ban on drag racing factory nine-second cars without a roll cage. This story comes via thedrive.com, who writes, The NHRA states that 2008 model year and later production cars that are plated and run uh, DOT tires 
can now run as fast as, in other words, not racing slicks, can now run as fast as 10 seconds in the quarter mile at up to 135 miles an hour, so long as they retain all of their factory safety equipment. So, in other words, no gutting your interior on that. Model years 2014 and up are allowed to go even quicker, down to 9 seconds flat in the quarter at up to 150 miles an hour. Should their drivers notch a quick enough time, they'll receive special rewards to show off their accomplishments too. Street legal competitors who break the 13, 12, 11, or 10 second barriers in the quarter at certain venues will get special NHRA decals for their cars with unique stickers being reserved for those who beat the 10 second quarters as well, which is pretty cool. I mean, I've, I've told you before, I, I've gone one time to the drag strip. I'd like to go again sometime. And the stock Model 3 Performance, which is what I'm driving, runs the quarter mile in about 11.8, pretty much like clockwork. I mean, that's it can't really do much better than, I mean, yeah, you could start taking stuff out and try to strip it down, but just, you know, right off the showroom floor, my car did an 11.8. So uh, I guess I wasn't, where was I? I was at Sonoma Raceway, I think. Is that where that was? I believe, I don't remember. Anyway, Zubin, my friend Zubin will remember because he, he took me along. He was, uh, he was my shepherd uh, being a first timer at the drag strip in his, in his Model S P100D. But anyway, uh, I guess we must not have been at an NHRA official place, official uh, venue because I didn't get any kind of decal. Maybe that's just a new thing. But in any case, pretty cool here. I mean, I've probably talked about this on the podcast before, but if not, if you're just kind of scratching your head, wondering, wait a second, what are you talking about? Now it's okay for them, no roll cage, what? The short version is that the NHRA national drag strip rules had been such that the Plaid S would get ejected from the drag strip, ejected from the venue, because the maximum quarter mile time allowed by the NHRA without a roll cage and you know just more significant safety modifications to a car was was uh, 10 seconds at 150 miles an hour. And as you probably know, the Plaid Model S can beat both of those numbers right out of the showroom. And it has resulted in many, many amusing Plaid drag racing videos that I've watched on YouTube in which the drivers have taken to inventing games for themselves by trying to win by as narrow a margin as possible since it's not a question of if they're going to win most races but rather by how much. This game has also doubled up as a way for those plaid owners to keep themselves from getting ejected from the drag strip by staying over 10 seconds and under 150 miles an hour. So glad to see these uh, rule changes from the NHRA because these electric cars are, they're monsters. They are awesome. They are, I mean, hey, gas-powered cars like the the Dodge Demon is a, was one that was cited in the article as well. It's not just EVs, but EVs certainly leading the charge. The Plaid S, uh, heck, the Plaid X, is uh is has been cooking down the drag strip as well and the lucid air 
is pretty quick down the down the track as well. So it's all coming. And the, the Roadster is, you know, hopefully two years or less behind with its SpaceX package. I don't know how they're going to regulate that one at the drag strip, but I guess we'll find out. In any case, uh, the point being, I do applaud the NHRA here because they're keeping up with the times. You know, they've got to evolve their rules as these cars get better and better. And, you know, a stock Model S can blast in a straight line down the drag strip rather safely at 150 miles an hour. You just hold the wheel straight on a professional, cleaned, cleared, and maintained drag strip. It's a, you know, pretty low risk uh, as far as anything going catastrophically wrong. And if and if it did, the Model S is already one of the safest cars in the world alongside the Model 3, the Model Y, and the Model X as well. Anyway, uh, finishing up by this by saying, if you're going to go enjoy these new rules at the drag strip, still make sure you're being safe. Be safe out there. Have fun. And uh, maybe a little bit more fun than you could just a week ago. Next up, the news gets a little less fun. I'm sorry to have to report to you, but Tesla is using its Engage platform. And if you're not familiar with that, I will tell you about it in a moment. But they are using their Engage platform to call for community support in fighting against the state of Oklahoma's House Bill 3994, which did pass out of committee this week. It has not become law, but it's passed out of committee. This bill, according to Tesla, could be interpreted as a way to outlaw manufacturers like Tesla and like other direct-to-customer folks like Lucid and like Rivian from servicing and delivering cars within the state of Oklahoma. Thank you to Tesla Roddy for this write-up who notes that HB 3994 was passed by the Oklahoma House Business and Commerce Committee. Tesla notes that even some of its existing locations in the state would likely be forced to close down if the bill went into law. More importantly, the bill would also likely result in Oklahoma-based Texas, excuse me, Tesla owners, I think I did that last week too, I'm sorry, having to drive out of state just to take delivery of and to service their vehicles. Here is Tesla's message to its owners via the Engage platform, which by the way, you can sign up for using your Tesla account at engage.tesla.com. So Tesla says the following is Tesla's rationale for its HB 3994 initiative for Oklahoma. HB 3994, a detrimental bill that could be interpreted as outlawing EV manufacturers like Tesla from servicing and delivering cars in Oklahoma, is currently being considered by members of the House Business and Commerce Committee. As I said, it actually has passed that committee. Contact your representatives today and encourage him or her to vote no on HB 3994. If passed, this bill could force Tesla to close its existing locations in Oklahoma and prevent Tesla from shipping cars to anyone in the state, which would force locals to travel out of state to service their cars or pick up their new Tesla vehicles. Oklahoma should focus on increasing revenue and jobs in the state, not stifling competition and limiting consumer choice. 
quote, using the tools above, please send a message to your state representative and the members of the House Bill and Commerce Committee sharing what this bill means to you and why it is bad for Oklahoma. Tell them your story as an EV owner in Oklahoma and let them know that you oppose HB 3994. Help stop the adoption of this bill by making your voice heard. Contact your state representative and the House Business and Commerce Committee today. And again, if you just go to engage.tesla.com, you can follow the links there, and Tesla has made it pretty easy for you to get in touch with your Oklahoma state representatives on this. Now, I wanted to just follow up uh, in in a couple of ways here. One, I wanted to credit the Tesla Motors Reddit user EFPG Podcast, uh, that person contacted is is uh, neighbors with apparently a an Oklahoma state representative, and that Reddit user posted that representative's response on Reddit, uh, saying uh, the person's name apparently is Lee, and the representative's name is Tammy Peavehouse Townley, who said in response, "Hey Lee, I do not disagree with you on three nine nine four." We voted out of committee with the title off, which means it cannot become law until the title is restored. We voted it out so that the author could continue working and negotiating with Tesla and the other manufacturers to make it a better bill and still be able to work with the other auto manufacturers. Had we killed it, the negotiations would have stopped completely. I can assure you this bill is far from becoming law. One other follow-up. I want to tip my cap to my friend Sean Mitchell, who is a wonderful real estate agent in the Denver area and moonlights by making Tesla content of his own on YouTube. And Sean posts this on Twitter just this week saying, just talk to boots on the ground in Oklahoma. It has passed the initial committee. It must pass the House by March 24th in order to go to the Senate. This bill only serves dealers and aims to cut out Tesla, Rivian, Lucid, and any others who want to sell and service direct. And Sean adds the following relevant bit of context. The sponsor of the bill, Mike Dabrinsky, Oklahoma State Representative from District 59, has a 30-plus year tie to dealerships. I know, I know, you're shocked. But anyway, Sean continues, which gives constituents the impression he only cares about his dealer buddies. How does limiting the car buyer's option to one business model benefit the consumer? It doesn't, and it's not right. If you are local to Oklahoma, please call and email your representatives to let them know this bill is more problematic to constituents than beneficial. So thank you to Sean. Thank you to Lee from Reddit. And thank you to Teslarati for summing up the story as well. So there you go. Now, Uh, if you've never used the Engage platform, as I mentioned, it's a pretty interesting website, actually. It's, it's a really good way, in my opinion, for Tesla owners to rally around causes that may directly affect them. And this is one of them. And so I am happy to share the message right here to my Oklahoma listeners. Just go to the site, engage.tesla.com, and you will see a contact us reps button right there in a, in a little box that's, that says Oklahoma with this, this bill, HB 3994 in there. 
Tesla does their best with this website to try and make it easy for you to get your voice heard by your elected representatives. On a related note, by the way, this is, uh, as, as Sean pointed out, this is a, a dealership lobby, effectively. That, that's what this is. It's a, it's a play from somebody with ties to dealerships. But I would think that the Oklahoma lawmakers might want to think long and hard about the future on this. Think about the future. Because remember not that long ago, Tulsa, Oklahoma was in the running for Gigafactory, for the you know Gigafactory 4 that went to Austin. And that remember, Tulsa went pretty far here. They went so far, they set up a website. They, they were wooing Tesla in several different ways. I mean, maybe this is some kind of sore loser slash revenge thing, but I doubt it. More likely, it's just, again, as Sean Mitchell pointed out, it's the dealership lobbyists being tight with the politicians here, or in the as the case is the 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 uh, representative himself having ties to dealerships. But uh, what I think is fair to say is this. I mean, th- here's the thing about the future part. Remember that Tesla is going to be needing more factories as they continue to grow towards that. 2030 goal of producing 20 million cars per year. And certainly some of those new factories are going to be in the United States because it's a massive market for Tesla. And Oklahoma has the benefit of being very centrally located in the United States, which is why they were a finalist this last time. So they might want to consider that. Uh, And I'm speaking to the lawmakers directly here. They might want to consider that when they're considering this bill and that think about the future. You know, it just, it reminds me, I've had Batman on the, on the brain this week. I'm a, I love Batman. I saw the Batman this week. I'm going to talk about that for just a minute at the end of the show, but it reminds me of one of my favorite lines in one of my favorite movies, which was my original favorite film as a kid, the first Batman from 1989. Think about the future. Let me just be super clear. I am in no way inferring violence against anybody in any Oklahoma lawmaker or anyone else. It's just the it just reminded me of that line from a movie that I love from my childhood. Anyway, uh, unfortunately, it appears that dealers are not stopping in Oklahoma when it comes to trying to slow Tesla's growth. West Virginia is at it as well with what is arguably an even more absurd scenario. Whether or not this is a coordinated effort by dealerships, dealership lobbies, I don't know. But take a listen to this as reported by Clean Technica. West Virginia wants to ban Tesla and others from sending over-the-air updates to customer cars. Yes, you heard that correctly. Clean Technica writes, quote, In a letter from the Alliance for Automotive Innovation, Auto Innovators, obtained by Clean Technica, the group lists all of the issues it has with this problematic bill that was initially designed to benefit dealers. The group is taking a stand against the bill since, if it made it into law, 
It would harm consumers in order to benefit auto dealers. The letter was sent to them by an anonymous source who explained that the bill, HB 4560, was introduced by the Dealership Trade Association. It is essentially designed to protect dealership interests. However, it overreaches to a point where it would harm both customers and dealers by blocking online car purchases, over-the-air updates, and even advertising by auto manufacturers. In the letter, auto innovators wrote, quote, Rather than leveling the playing field between dealers and manufacturers, this bill would drastically alter the rights and obligations of automotive manufacturers and their franchised dealers in West Virginia. Many of the proposed changes would benefit dealers, but would ultimately impose costs and inconvenience on the citizens of West Virginia. Quote, Auto Innovators has identified specific concerns and issues with House Bill 4560, which, if enacted, would have impacts far beyond the dealer-manufacturer relationship. Auto Innovators and its members would appreciate the opportunity to appear before the House Judiciary Committee to discuss these concerns in further detail and answer any questions committee members may have related to HB 4560, end quote. The bill states this, quote, Except for experimental low-volume not-for-retail-sale vehicles, cause warranty and recall repair work to be performed by any entity other than a new motor vehicle dealer, including post-sale software and hardware upgrades or changes to vehicle function and features and accessories for new motor vehicles sold by a licensed new motor vehicle dealer. Provided, however... This language shall not include any post-sale software upgrades to the motor vehicle's navigation or entertainment system. In the letter, Auto Innovators pointed out that the language is designed to prohibit manufacturers from providing over-the-air updates directly to consumers' vehicles. So far, no other state has made such a needless law. The group writes, quote, Over-the-air updates allow consumers to update their vehicles from the convenience of their driveways without the need to travel all the way to the dealership. This language would prevent manufacturers from utilizing those over-the-air vehicle updates in West Virginia. Well, the Auto Innovators Group is right, of course, and it actually gets even more absurd than that, but I'm going to stop there. This is a long story. You get the idea of what's going on here. Now, this one hasn't made it to Tesla's Engage platform just yet, but it's probably just a matter of time until it does. I, I mean, I'm no lawyer. I, I don't know anything, but I just can't imagine as a citizen that this would possibly hold up in a court because it's just asinine. It's, it's nonsense. It'd be like saying that you can only go to an Apple store to get updates for your iPhone. It's ridiculous. So West Virginia friends out there, please let me know how I can help and how the Ride the Lightning community can help try to just strike this nonsense from ever having existed in the first place. Oh my goodness. Uh, next up and finally this week, numerous owners in Europe are reporting that the new 12 volt lithium ion accessories battery in the very latest Model 3s can fail very quickly under certain conditions. I saw this story on Drive Tesla Canada, who writes, 
The problem only impacts newly delivered vehicles with a lithium iron, iron phosphate battery, that's the LFP battery, where the 12 volt lithium ion accessories battery can die within 20 minutes of the vehicle's main battery reaching a state of charge less than 10%. Just like when the lead acid battery would die, this leaves the vehicle stranded and undrivable. Making the problem worse, owners have so far been unable to jump the new lithium ion battery with a lead acid battery. One theory for this is because it has a higher voltage at 15.5 volts, and since lead acid batteries have a maximum voltage of 12.8 volts, it can't charge the lithium ion battery. Tesla is aware of the issue and believes it is happening because the LFP battery hasn't been properly calibrated since leaving the factory. With an uncalibrated battery, the computer is estimating it still has some range left, but in reality, it is actually at zero. When there is no power in the main battery, the 12 volt isn't charged anymore and dies within minutes. Tesla has already issued an internal memo recommending new owners charge their LFP battery to 100% as soon as possible after taking delivery. This will calibrate the battery and the computer will know more precisely how much range the battery has left in it. Tesla is also recommending to avoid running the battery to below 10% until you have performed the calibration. And they have gone so far now, uh, there was a follow-up to this, that right on the screen, it will actually tell you if you take delivery of a new LFP car, please charge this to 100% as soon as possible uh, to calibrate the battery. Now, thankfully, this only affects the base Model 3, a.k.a the artist formerly known as the Standard Range Plus, but it's still not great. I mean, the fact that they're having to address this means that at least one person has been stranded because of this and probably more than one person. But uh, again, as they said, if the accessories battery fails, you are stuck. So that's what makes this very not great. I mean, it's a bummer that this is happening, but at least it can be easily prevented if it hasn't happened yet. And the other thing to just politely remind you of, of as well, those LFP batteries can be charged to 100% every day to get that 272 miles of range all the time without doing any long-term harm to the battery. So many owners might just end up organically avoiding this problem anyway, which is good. But still, hopefully Tesla learns a valuable lesson on this and is able to immediately prevent it from happening to anybody else in the future. All right, I have plenty more show to get to. I've got some excellent calls coming up in the Ride the Lightning hotline. But first, real quick, a reminder that this episode is once more, one more time, brought to you by Motor Trend and their new electric vehicle podcast called Inevitable. Highlight on the EV, I-N-E-V-I-T-I-T-A-B-L-E. It is no secret, as listeners of this show know, that the automobile is changing. It's going electric. There has been an avalanche of new EVs trying to meet or beat Tesla in the race to the future of the automobile. You've got Rivian, Lucid, Fisker trying to come back, just to name a few. All of them with the same goal in mind, going green. As we all know, as Tesla owners and enthusiasts, it's all taking off faster than a new Model S Plaid. Fortunately, to get a hold of this, Electric Renaissance is a podcast 
with two veteran automotive journalists from Motor Trend, Ed Lowe and Johnny Lieberman. They'll interview celebrity guests, industry leaders, car folk, and chat about all things cars, energy, Elon technology, and our future. These car savants who once had gasoline running through their veins are now charged up for what the EV revolution holds next because it is, after all, inevitable. And that's the podcast, The Inevitable. Subscribe and listen to The Inevitable wherever you get your podcasts. All right, be right back after a very brief little interlude here with the Ride the Lightning Hotline and your excellent phone calls coming up right after this. Welcome to the Ride the Lightning Hotline, your chance to be a part of the podcast with your Tesla questions, comments, or discussion topics. If you would like to participate and be featured on the podcast, you can call in for a chance to do so. The call-in options are twofold, and they're both pretty easy. You can either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible, and then email that file to me at my podcast email address, which is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can take that same 90-second or less phone call and just call and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number that you can dial anytime, and that number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com if you'd like to learn more. Kicking it off this week with Chris from Massachusetts. Hey, Ryan. Just wanted to let you know um, that there's a couple ways to uh, get the information you're missing from the new user interface that you mentioned on episode. <clears throat> One thing that you were talking about uh, with the heated seats uh, not being as easy to access I noticed that they changed that so that it's automatic now uh, rather than having to select the uh, specific heat, one, two, or three. I know before this, I was always kind of trying to decide, oh, do I want three? Do I want two? Do I want one? So I gave automatic a try, and I find it works just as well as the uh, automatic climate control. Instead of selecting the like fan speed and, and the direction of the temperature, I just set the temperature to 70 degrees and it keeps me comfortable. And the same with the heated seats. I just leave it on auto and it just keeps me comfortable. It's one less thing to think about. So I find that I don't fiddle with it as much as I used to. So that's one thing to keep in mind with the New Year's interface. And then the other thing is uh, with not having the time left on the track they're listening to, uh, I agree it would be nice to see the actual time. But the bar for how much progress you've made on the podcast or the song is much, much wider and easier to see now. It takes the whole bottom of the uh, display below the map and the song title. I, I noticed that when it made it a little bit easier to see how far along I was in the podcast or the track. Anyway, I uh, thought that'd be helpful and uh, give Daisy a good old scratch for me. I appreciate the call, Chris. In fact, several kind people have called in over the last few weeks to mention the bar at the bottom of the music portion of the UI. 
that shows how far along the track is. I did notice that as well, and I failed to mention it when I was initially talking about my V11 feedback on the show here. So my bad on that, but it still just doesn't help for longer form stuff. As I said, I, I mean, I know I'm probably in the minority, as I mentioned, about wanting the actual track time remaining back on there. But it's still, it's, you know, for a podcast or something, you don't want to know if it's two thirds done. You want to know exactly what, you know, roughly what minute you left off at in case you need to pick it up on another device later. And anyway, for the automatic seat heater setting that you mentioned, I gave it a try and I have to say I do like it. I do like it. It it does work pretty well. Not always it doesn't always do exactly what I want it to, but more often than not, it seems to get the job done. So I do appreciate that. Uh and you know, that's the end of it. It's the new UI is still a work in progress as far as I'm concerned. And I am hoping that version eleven point one brings a lot of good change and and maybe uh patches some things some some functionality back in that was removed from 11.0 safe travels out there chris thanks for calling in next up is bill from sterling commenting on nitsa making tesla disable the boombox feature hi ryan this is bill from sterling just a quick comment on the uh nitsa disabling the boombox feature on the newer teslas that's not even a feature I have on mine, but couldn't Tesla simply program it so that uh, it always plays the approved sound, but if you mix in your sound on top of it, wouldn't that still meet the standard? It's playing the standard sound, whatever noise that is that's approved, but on top of that, you could overlay on whatever sound you wanted. This would be no different than simply driving with your stereo turned up with your windows down. Uh, that way, the NHTSA sound would still be there. Uh, couldn't they do that as a solution rather than just disabling it? Anyway, love your show. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Bye. Bill, that's a perfectly reasonable thought, and I don't have any argument against you. I hope you're right, and I hope the feature can return in a reasonably similar form at some point soon. As I said not too long ago, there is clearly an allowed amount of artistic interpretation here, because as I was pointing out, different EVs and and plug-in hybrids have their own low-speed low sound that they emit. So I'm hoping that you're correct here and that Tesla will be able to allow some customizability for that once again. Thanks for your call, Bill. Going to Brian in Pennsylvania next. Hey, Ryan. Brian from Walton, Pennsylvania. Just make my third trip, two-hour drive down to the local service center, not really local to me, and... They always give you Uber credits there so you can go get food, do whatever. But I realized it would really be nice. Um, in the summer, it didn't matter as much, but now it's cold here in Pennsylvania. I have to make a supercharged stop on the way, way home to make it home. They should give us, especially those of us that drive a distance to get there, some supercharger credits to compensating us for having to drive so far to a service center that's, you know, inconvenient for us, and uh, maybe just as a courtesy anyhow, just as a bonus, hey, we're sorry, you know, something was wrong with your car and we had to uh, fix it, but I really do think that they should give a super credit credit 
uh, you know, $10, $20. It doesn't have to be anything major, but just enough to give us that quick five, 10 minute juice to uh, get back home. Brian, I think this is a very good and very reasonable suggestion. I am totally with you on this. Tesla already gives Uber credits when your car is actually being serviced. It would be nice for them to, as you say, compensate you for that long trip if in fact you're more than say 200 miles from a service center, which unfortunately there are a lot of people who are that far away from a service center because there just still aren't a ton of service centers. And in other cases, as you heard earlier on this podcast, there are states that are actively fighting against Tesla for whatever reason to try and keep them from having service centers in their state as well. So safe travels, Brian. Cheers. Thank you very much. And I hope, uh, again, I hope your idea comes to fruition. Next up is Matt from Michigan. Hey, Ryan. Matt up in Ishpeming, Michigan. Um, just a note about the possibility of the Cybertruck being vehicle-to-home capable. Um, if nothing else, you would have the easy workaround of just uh, having uh, an input line into your household power uh, and plug it into the 240 in the back of the Cybertruck. Um, it would be, I imagine, a pretty simple job for any electrician to rig up a way for that to hook into your home power and run your house. It wouldn't be automatic or through the charging port, but you could certainly do it. Thank you, Matt. And it sounded like you might have been calling in from a hike right there, which, by the way, is awesome. I don't blame you. I personally do a lot of my thinking time when I'm out on long walks with the dog. Anyway, uh, yeah, I do suppose the onboard 240-volt outlet in the bed of the Cybertruck should allow for some interesting and useful possibilities, regardless of how far Tesla extends their support for proper vehicle-to-grid slash vehicle to home. I'm still optimistic that the competition is going to uh, inspire Tesla to fully support those capabilities by the time the truck comes out next year. Here's hoping on that. And Matt, happy hiking, my friend. A couple more calls for this episode. The penultimate caller this week is John from Indiana. Hi, Ryan. This is John from Indiana calling. Um, I have a observation to make that I think may be of interest to uh, your listeners. Um, first of all, I really appreciate your podcast and uh, um, learned a lot from it and uh, um, uh, have uh, really helped me out as I now have a Model Y and a Model 3. A lot of fun to drive both cars and uh, definitely see the differences between them, even though they are quite similar. Anyway, uh, something I've not heard talked about in your podcast um, in, in a while uh, is uh, easy entry. And I kind of like easy entry, especially in my Model 3. Um, it helps me get in and out of the car, and uh, when I park the car, the seat can I can have the seat move way back to help me um, exit uh, uh, the car easier. The issue is if I have one of my um, sons, I have two teenage sons, if one of them is sitting behind me in the Model um, 3, which doesn't have uh, as much leg room as the Model Y, when uh, I hit park, the car automatically goes into easy entry mode, moves the um, driver's seat way back, and it smashes up against the legs of my son, who's um, sitting directly behind me. And um, that can actually um, be a little bit shocking, a, a little bit painful for him. Um, uh, it doesn't hurt him or anything, but it's, uh, it pins him in. And, uh, and I would think that Tesla could have a 
mechanism by which it could sense that there was an occupant in the seat and um, at least maybe stop the easy entry or ask me, uh, do you want to um, go into easy entry mode because there may be someone behind you? I uh, just thought that that um, would be something that would be helpful um, uh, for cars in the future. Uh, thanks again for your podcast. Bye. John, thank you for your call and for your absolutely fantastic suggestion. As I often remind you, I'm no software engineer, but this does sure seem like something that Tesla could implement, be it as a checkbox in the UI, you know, something like disable easy entry when second row passenger on driver's side detected. I'm sure there's a shorter way to say that. Or maybe like a prompt on the screen when you put the car in park to ask you if you want to use the easy entry. As you correctly note, the car definitely knows when that seat is occupied. So as a fellow easy entry user who drives my kid's carpool on certain days of the week, I too would like an option to disable it when a person is detected in that seat immediately behind me as the driver. Here's hoping that Tesla hears this and adds it to their feature idea list. Good stuff, John. One more caller this week. It's from an old friend of the show, The Real Life Tiny, responding to Paul from Hertfordshire. DMC Ryan, it's your old buddy, The Real Life Tiny. I just wanted to call and chime in on a call that I just heard from Paul from Hertfordshire. He was asking about acceleration boost on uh, Model Y and whether or not that acceleration boost would be noticeable. Now, I don't have a Model Y, and I've never personally experienced acceleration boost, but I did want to point out that Galley from HyperChange on his channel made a video where he, in effect, did the Pepsi challenge between no acceleration boost and then acceleration boost. He did a timed run in his own Model Y, and then immediately after that timed run, he downloaded, installed the acceleration boost, and then did the same timed run again, and he showed the difference between them. I think in that same video, he also races a performance Model Y with the acceleration boost as well as without it. So it might be something for Paul to take a look at and see if he thinks the acceleration boost would be good enough for, uh, for him to install in his own Model Y. Not only that, I also... Based on what he said in his call, it sounded like he was asking whether or not the acceleration boost would expire after a certain number of months after purchased. Um, you let him know that he could wait as long as he wanted to to initially purchase it, but I think he might have been wanting to find out if after he purchases it, does it expire after a certain amount of time. But just wanted to call, chime in, give my two cents on that, albeit unqualified two cents. But, uh, Ryan, I love the show, love the podcast, love what you do. Keep it up and uh, give, uh, give Daisy a pet for us all. Have a good one. Thank you, Tiny. First, if I misinterpreted Paul's question and he was indeed asking if the acceleration boost would ever go away after purchasing it, the answer is no. It will stay with the car as long as you own it. And then if you sell it privately, it should go to the new owner. Only Tesla themselves might take it off if you traded the car into them, much as they do with FSD, so that they can sell it a second time. Anyway, uh, thank you for pointing out the hyperchange video, but I suspect Paul might have been looking for permission to treat himself more than anything else. That's just my guess on that. And, you know, maybe he's even pulled the trigger on that purchase by now. Paul, if you're out there, let me know what you decide to do. Thank you, Tiny. Thanks to everybody who has taken the time to call in. I promise I will get to more phone calls next week. 
Keep those calls coming. I gave you the dial-in information at the top of this segment. Stick with me, though. I am not quite done with this week's episode of Ride the Lightning. I'll be right back with more. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Well, as for what's going on with me and my car, as you know, I recorded the podcast early last week because I flew down to Arizona to attend the family memorial service for my cousin Pat. And at least I'm, I'm happy I was able to arrange with Tesla Mobile Service for the 12-volt battery in my cousin Pat's Model S to get replaced. So now now it's roadworthy. And I'm, I'm really just kind of emotionally happy that the, the car is going to stay in the family. It's, it's going to be going to the East Coast, but it's going to stay in the family. So, you know, there's no practical reason for wanting that. It just, I don't know, it, the, the car meant a lot to Pat. And I'm just, it just makes me happy that it's going to stay in the family. Not that it wouldn't have found a, a, a happy home somewhere else, but I am happy that it will remain uh, still in the family. Uh, my wheel repair, that was this week. In fact, I just got the car back today, Friday, as I'm recording this. And it went great. Thank you again to Christy from Austin, who used to live here in the Bay Area. She recommended me a shop, and boy, they did not disappoint my wheels look brand new, like nothing ever happened to them. The color match on the satin gray wheels, you know, my zero-G wheels is excellent. You'll see pictures on my Instagram, which is DMC underscore Ryan. So really, really happy with how that turned out. And now I just have to not mess them up again. I have to hopefully keep them nice now. And then an entertainment recommendation. I'm not sure if I've done one of these in a couple weeks. And I mentioned Batman earlier in the show. I said I had Batman on the mind. I saw The Batman, the new Batman film from director Matt Reeves, and I loved it. Batman's my favorite superhero, always has been since I was a kid. You know, I mentioned the 1989 Tim Burton movie, which was like my first favorite movie growing up. And Batman has stuck with me all these years as a, you know, my favorite superhero. And I wanted to love this new movie, and I do. I think it's excellent. Uh, I highly recommend it. Not really for kids. There's, I mean, it's dark. It's not bloody, but it's certainly violent. Obviously, Batman is uh, beating people up angrily, but it's more actually, uh, It's they push the language pretty far for PG-13 as far as if you're considering bringing your, your young ones, but I do highly recommend the movie. It is excellent. How about a pro tip of the week here before I hit the road? Let's go to Chris from Ontario. Hey, Ryan. Chris from Ontario. First time caller, but I've never missed an episode. I've got a pro tip for you and the listeners. Around 95,000 kilometers, my Model 3 needed a headlight. I was able to get a brand new pair of headlights online, and since mine had taken a beating, I swapped them both out. But I immediately noticed that the uh, passenger side signal was flashing rapidly and I had an error message on the screen. Even though I didn't get the headlights from Tesla, I decided to give them a shout and it turns out that it was a simple software update to fix the problem. The uh, sales rep also told me uh, the very tip I'm about to share with, with everyone. If you are going to change a part that requires a software update, there are a few. I don't know them all. Certainly the headlights are one of them. Wait until you have an update available from Tesla, then swap out the part, then do the update. 
it saves trying to get a hold of everybody, which, of course, we all know how that can be. Uh, and one other message to the listeners, I would really suggest uh, people consider contributing to Patreon, even if only at the dollar level. There's so much misinformation about this company out there. And between Ryan and Rob Maurer, uh, these guys got a handle on it, and we really need to support that. Thanks again, Ryan. Chris, thank you very much for the kind words. I promise I didn't put Chris up to that Patreon plug. I do genuinely appreciate you saying that, Chris. And and thanks for the tip here. I would never have thought about something like that until I was in that very situation. So now if I or any of your fellow listeners do encounter that, we will have your tip at the top of our brains to help smooth out the process. Thank you again. And if anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week about the car, about the Tesla experience that they'd like to share, please send it in the same way that you send in the regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls. Before I go, let me actually mention that Patreon real quick. My Patreon is the main way that you can voluntarily choose to support the podcast. My hope is that at some point in time, whether it's in the very near future or the, the uh, you know, sometime down the road, you will think to yourself, Ryan, I really enjoy this podcast and I would like to support your efforts because I see the commitment that you put in every week. I see the time and the energy. I can hear it. And perhaps you will decide to do that. If you decide to do so, you can do that at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. The support tiers there start at just five bucks a month, or you can do it annually. Just pay once for a year's worth. And if you do that, there is a 5% discount uh, as a little incentive for that as well. And the, and the support tiers, they go up, but the perks and bonuses that you get in return also go up. I just try to make it, you know, make it fun and, and uh, just show gratitude for those of you that choose to support me on Patreon. Meanwhile, abstractocean.com has all kinds of Tesla goodies, like the rear footwell lighting kit, like the new fourth generation tempered glass screen protectors for the Model 3 and the Model Y, like the drop-in cup holder stabilizer, all sorts of other nice interior lighting kits and fun different colors, and the center console wrap kits. Just take a look. I, I, I promise you, you will not regret at least spending a minute on abstractocean.com. You can search by car, so SX3Y, whatever you've got, see what they've got. And if you decide to buy anything, just pile it all into your online cart. And then when you get to the checkout, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST, all one word, to get 15% off of your first order. Don't forget the snap plate for any of the four Teslas as well, which you can get at everyamp.com slash RTL. This is the front license plate bracket that you really want to use versus the one that Tesla gives you because that one uses automotive adhesive to stick to the front of your car, meaning if you ever want to get it off, it's probably not going to be pretty. The snap plate, on the other hand, snaps on and off in seconds, but it does so, goes on securely, and it's paint safe, grill safe, radiator safe. It won't interfere with any autopilot stuff. It is a nice, clean, minimalist design. I recommend it. Check it out. Everyamp.com slash RTL. How about budget safe solar? 
If you're considering solar for your home or business, those, you know, I'm starting to read up a little more on solar and the federal tax credit here in the United States apparently is going to phase down over time. So the sooner you act, the actual better the deal is. That's one reason my wife and I have started to talk more seriously about it. But anyway, if you're considering solar for your home or business, obviously you're going to consider Tesla themselves. But why not also reach out to friend of the show, Budget Safe Solar? Their deal is simple. They try to take the time to understand your specific situation. For instance, I've got a very like old, narrow San Francisco home. So my situation is going to be different than probably most of you out there. But the point is budget safe solar is going to work with you to try and find that best solar option there. They operate in all 50 States plus Puerto Rico. And Hey, if you're interested in joining the growing solar industry, that's another thing you can check in with them about. So learn more and or reach out at budgetsafesolar.com, referral code RTL. Don't forget that referral code should you elect to proceed. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections, the, the fine purveyors of detailing services such as paint correction, paint protection film, ceramic coating, etc. They are offering a nice little discount, as I always remind you, to anybody who listens to this podcast. Just if you book in with them, it's of course Jeff is the name of the owner and proprietor there. Just go to his website, irdetailing.com, and when you reach out, mention I'm a Ride the Lightning listener, and there will be a nice little discount waiting. And it doesn't matter what service you're doing, you will still get the discount. You don't have to do X amount of dollars worth of service or X number of things. Just whatever you're going to do, mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener and there's a discount for you. I highly recommend it because my car has been immaculately cared for by Immaculate Reflections and I could not be happier with how incredible it looks after, again, almost four years at this point. Still looks, I think, knock on wood, now that I got the wheels (laughs) repaired, it looks as good as new, if not better. How about puretesla.com slash RTL, your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. It's a micro SD based kit, so it's built for the long haul, unlike the flash USB memory stick that you get with your car. So go to puretesla.com slash RTL. It's 49 bucks for the 128 gigabyte kit, formatted and ready to go right into the package and shipped free anywhere in the US, works with Mac or PC. And they also offer a wireless game controller kit as well. If you do like to play the video games that Tesla offers and uh, you'd like a nice wire, slim, low-profile wireless controller to do so, you know, a nice controller that's going to fit you know, fit nicely in either your glove box or your center console with a, a nice wireless adapter so you don't have a cord in your way as well, you can also get that at puretesla.com slash RTL. And finally... Jada, my friends at Jada have uh, a number of fine products, including a, well, <laughs> you have to just go to their website to see it. It is a, uh, they're actually doing it for charity. It is an American uh, broomstick. And it's it comes from a, a tweet from Elon this week who was responding to Russia no longer selling rocket engines on, uh, to, you know, to the the countries, including the United States, who have sanctioned them. 
in the uh, terrible war that they are waging with the Ukraine. And uh, and so he he made the he made the reference American broomstick in a tweet. And Jada, my friends at Jada have taken it upon themselves to sell an American broomstick. It's got a you know, it's like a got a white handle with with like NASA spot inspired lettering on it that says American broomstick. And they're donating the proceeds from that to charity. But They've all, well, specifically to Ukraine relief efforts, I should specify. They also have their usual line of Tesla accessories, which I'm a big fan of. The Jada USB hub console, which is a storage organizer, USB hub, Apple watch charger, and AirPod charger all in one. The Jada tray, which is a tech-focused center console organizer. I have that in my car. The wireless charging pad version four. I have version three in my car uh, because and the older model threes like mine don't have it built in. So I'm a big fan of the Jada wireless charging pad. Any of that, all of that, I got a discount code for you. It's RTL. That's the coupon code. All I ask in return is that you visit and purchase through my referral link which is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And Jada is spelled J-E-D-A. I mentioned my Instagram earlier. I'm all, that's also my Twitter, DMC underscore Ryan on each one of those. I mentioned the Patreon. You can subscribe to slash follow the podcast at any of the major podcast services, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Tune in Spotify or YouTube. It's audio only on YouTube, but just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube and you will find my channel very easily. You can subscribe there. And that will just about do it. Let me mention the wonderful Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space tier backers who are very kindly supporting the podcast. And among the perks that they get for doing so at these tiers, they get a shout out every week. So I want to say hello and thank you to the newest Roadster in Space tier backer, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, who's been backing me at uh, Maximum Plaid for a while, stepped up to Roadster. So Tesla Hitchhiker 42, a sincere thank you that is extraordinarily generous. And thanks to the other Roadster in Space tier backers, Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Scooter Ward, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Crafty Geek, Richard Stokes, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, and Victoria Ayacaveto. The Maximum Plaid crew, a big thanks, goes out to Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, The Galpin Family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Maitsuaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Zachary Howard, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Droneberger, Scott Gillis, Aaron Huxley, John Cody, Aaron, Sonar Tech 77, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, 
Kim Bay, and Paul Casarino. And last and most certainly not least, the Plaid Level supporters. Some real longtime supporters in here. Thank you so much to George Cassioppo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, The Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, The Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Rick Dean, not Elon Musk, T. Kirk Lowry, and Peter. Thanks to all of you, all the Patreon backers for supporting me. This is, again, uh, the podcast is and will always be free, but a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of work and love goes into it each and every week. So uh, if you're able to consider a pledge at some point, I would be humbled and grateful for that. That will wrap it up for this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast. This was episode 344. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. To my left, a balled up and snoozing Daisy the Boxer. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I will see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.